Hello, everybody. Welcome to Artist Corner. Today, I'm joined by Scotty Madonia. What's up, Nolan? <laughs> What's up, man? He's a podcast host, musician, and all around a really hardworking and chill guy. So, yeah, thank you so much wow. for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm usually the person that's like asking people to to talk to them. So I was very, I was so flattered that you wanted me to, to be on. I'm so excited. I love what you're doing because I was, because I, I, I hadn't heard about it until you emailed me. And then you said you would, you would, uh, were about, I can remember if you had just interviewed Bill or you were about to. Yeah. Uh, and I watched that and then I started, I now I'm a subscriber. I am a Nolan fan 100% now. Yes. The more, so, the better. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for having me on. I'm very excited. Of course, I'm really excited to talk to you. It'll be I think it'll be really helpful because I've never talked to someone else who's also a podcast host before. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, this will be a good experience. Awesome. So are there any interviewers that have been a good role model to you, whether well known or obscure? And have they inspired you how you formulate your questions? Oh, yeah. I grew up because of my father listening to Howard Stern. That was like the absolute basis was Howard Stern. Um, and I, I still think he is the best interviewer. That's really I, I, I've never heard anyone who's as consistently good as he is. And there are certain points. There are certain parts of his his kind of career in terms of interviews that I like more than others. I, I specifically like when he first went to Sirius XM, which I think was in 2006. I think that was his absolute best because he was uh, had this perfect mix of still kind of being angsty. And, you know, now he's a little more mainstream. Um, but back then he was he had this access to do these really long interviews. He could swear he could do whatever he wanted, but um, he was still kind of that alt crowd. So I don't know. I think that that was like perfect era Howard Stern for that. And then um, David Letterman. I love David Letterman and, oh, yeah. and Bill Wirtz, who I know you do have. We just talked about you interviewed. Uh, <laughs> he has gotten me like really into Bill or into David Letterman lately. Yeah. More so than even in the past. So, yeah, I'd say How Howard and Letterman and I'm trying to think who else. Honestly, 90% of it is, is Howard Stern. I don't <laughs> know if I don't know if that comes across. It's more of like the my passion for interviewing people comes from him rather than I know if it's like specific traits, hmm. but he is, I'd say most of it, most of the, the, the inspo. Yeah. I feel kind of bad. I don't think I've seen an interview from either of them, but mm -hmm. that gives me a really, I guess I'm really excited because now I have more people to look into in that field. Yeah. Howard is, uh, he's definitely, he was kind of, uh, this is ironic because he thinks podcasting is, is like stupid and not real <laughs> entertainment because you don't, which is just like, you know how every, everyone who like, even if they're like the cool edgy alt person at one time, then becomes the kind of crotchety, you know, they can't keep up kind of thing. And one thing yeah. that I, I has annoyed me about him is it's been a while since I've listened to his recent stuff, but he is just like now podcasting's not radio you know it's not all this but meanwhile he kind of was the original thing he went on Sirius XM there you can you can do whatever you want there weren't rules like there were on terrestrial radio 
And that's how podcasting is. Sirius XM, which he kind of brought to the forefront, is essentially what podcasting is now. And in fact, a big part of Sirius XM's business is their online streaming on their app, which is just a podcast. But my, my, my point being is that he really, if you're someone who likes the really long form, um, unedited type of interview, which is what I, I really like, he Me is just the, I, I think, the pinnacle of, of that. Great. Yeah. I mean, I really try my best to contribute to the long form content, especially nowadays mm -hmm. when there's so much short form content. I think yeah. it's so valuable now that it's not even that hard to do if you have the attention span for it. And I think, yeah, yeah it's, it's really cool. I, I love long form uh, interviews. Like I my one of my favorite things is just like putting on something really long, like <laughs> two or three hour long interviews, especially if I'm doing something that's like it's probably overstimulation <laughs> overstimulation but it's uh maybe not the best habit but i love to do that just put on like if i'm working on something or if i'm like playing video games or something editing <laughs> clips for my channel or something i love listening to long interviews which is ironic cuz on on my channel i kind of keep it to not short but definitely not really long i do about 45 minutes hmm. um but when i'm like just in my own time listening to stuff. I love really, really long interviews. That's my, that's my jam. <laughs> what is the most recent podcast or any interview host that you've listened to? Most recent would be you, Nolan. <laughs> I, cause I just, I was watching uh, your interview with Kevin McLeod. Oh, yeah. what'd you think of it? Uh, amazing. <laughs> and in, I mean, you were fantastic. Kevin is always like, he's just like the nicest guy. I He's one, I'd say like top five people that I've, I've had the fortune of interviewing. He is he's so awesome. nice. He is so absolutely just like happy to be there and yeah, having a good time. And yeah, so on a, a technical level, you were the most recent. Um, besides that, <laughs> um, I'll occasionally, if there's like a really good musician, because my my background is in music, I'll listen to uh, any Joe Rogan interview. Like, I'm trying to think of the most recent one I listened to with him. Uh, I love he has one with Steven Tyler um, from Aerosmith. Anytime there's musicians on Joe Rogan, I love that because that's again <laughs> like probably like three and a half hours of just talking. And I unplugged my headphones, <laughs> Nolan. Oh, you're good. You're good. Oh, we're good. Okay, now we're good. Now we're good. But yeah, it's actually yeah. Speaking of that, it's funny you say that. When I reached out to Kevin too, he's he told I don't know. I should say this. I guess it's not anything. It's not anything bad. It's just he told me that well, he, he didn't have his microphone plugged in, and that when when I asked for feedback, he said that I should be asking people to have a webcam, a microphone, and all, all that stuff. Even, oh, so they... e yeah, even if it's someone who's in that career, because apparently people don't always have that set up, which you would think they would, you know? Yeah, I'd say most of the, the people I've had uh, on my, my YouTube channel are, are usually just webcams. I prefer when they have a mic, but for me, and I, I'm the kind, I'm, I like technical stuff. I much prefer listening to content where I, there is at least some level of, of, you know, production value. That's my yeah. favorite. I'm not super picky, but 
when people come on my show, usually it's this, the show's live streamed and they usually join like the first time I'm talking to them is like two or three minutes beforehand. So my, <laughs> to be honest, most of the time I forget to ask because <laughs> I'm just like making sure that like the video's coming through and that I can hear them at all. And then I'm just basically just go live. Um, but dang, that's actually, that's really good. I, I got to start doing that. I got to start like reminding people. Yeah, you know? I, that's something I've been doing ever since Kevin told me about it. And yeah. Yeah. Are there any techniques that you use when interviewing people to lessen the silence? Oh, Lord. If I give an answer, then it's immediately proven wrong because there are so many times <laughs> when there's silence because I'm... <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't think silence is a bad thing, but... No, it's... it's there's a, there's a couple... There's like good silence because there's real thinking going on yeah and then there's sometimes silence where my brain just shuts off <laughs> and i'm not i'm not thinking i'm thinking about the fact that i can't come up with anything to say um i've done that a couple of times it's natural i mean think about it like in any conversation you know just because it's on video doesn't change the fact that it is just two people talking and yeah when I'm talking to my friends or my roommate, we I might stop talking for two minutes at a time. So the <laughs> fact that you have to fill all that space is kind of unnatural. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything specific. The one thing I really like, I prepare very heavily with information about the person, as much info, information I can get. And I have it where I can see it if I need to. But the, the main thing is just having things about them, not necessarily always a specific question, but information about them that is in the back of my head. So when I feel myself, I can like kind of feel whatever we're talking about coming to a, a, a T, I can quickly, if I start to, you know, get a little nervous and not feel like I have a good question to ask, I can use that information about them to kind of just jumpstart something. And sometimes I'll just start on a topic and then by the end of it, hope a question comes out yeah. or even better the thing I'm talking about, they interrupt and start just talking. That's the best. That is but the really, best. It's really just <laughs> having having just good information um, that's not always specifically related to a question, just kind of in the back of your head on notes that you can just be glancing at um, so that way you always have something to go off of. And then you just kind of throw yourself into the fire a million times and just start talking. And sometimes you'll end up with something where you go, oh man, I'm really good at this. Like I, I'm really, really, really good at this. And then the other 80% of the time you end up saying something and going, I don't even know what I meant by that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just having in info is, is always the, is what I, I think is the best way for me at least. Yeah. I think what helps me too, is I always have guests on that I'm genuinely, genuinely fans of. So yes, I already have some kind of idea of, Maybe maybe I don't know everything about them. And even if you do a ton of research, I don't think that's possible anyway. But yeah, I think it helps when you are already interested in them as people. And then if you're already curious about how they do stuff and just actually want to know more about them, I think that helps. One of the, the best things someone ever told me, I was I went to this school called The New School in Manhattan. And... I was a drumming performance major, but my I was also taking music production classes from this amazing producer. His name is Hank Shockley. He started this group called Public Enemy, well, like the 
the rap group Public Enemy, mm. um, and he was part of their production team called the Bomb Squad. So it was like he started Public Enemy, but then he was the Bomb Squad, which made all of their their beats and their music and all that. And he was a, he he was just nice enough to be a guest on my show just because I knew him from from college. And I I can't remember if this was. I think this was might have been right after, like the week after I had a private lesson with him at the week after he was on my show. He he said, just always every question you ask, make sure you care. That's yeah. the number one thing. He said, because even if the person that you're talking to, even if everyone watching doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily the biggest fan of them, they will have fun listening to you guys talk. If the thing you're asking is something that you genuinely want to know because people can pick up on that yeah, yeah. versus you're just trying to fill time. And that's obviously not going to be perfect. You're not always going to be asking a question that you're like, if I don't know the answer to this, I'm going to go crazy. That can't be <laughs> it all the time. You know, sometimes you just have to keep stuff going. Um, but that really stuck with me when he said that he was like, if you have, a, don't just say something, ha ask something that you think you can learn from because people will sense that and th and they'll be more interested in what they're going to say because you are already obviously interested in it, you know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, a lot of, I do write a lot of questions down, but when it, when it comes to the show, I also, I'm already so curious about a lot of stuff. I just ask whatever I'm already curious about. Yeah. And that helps so much. I always think that the, the best way to do kind of anything is you over prepare, but then you don't really use your preparation in the like strict sense. You just, you basically just do it to lay like a blanket, especially like as a, as a drummer and I have to like play a show or something over prepare, over prepare. And I don't always do that. Let me clarify. Sometimes <laughs> I don't always prepare enough, but I think the best way to do it is prepare as much as possible. So you're just confident. And then you just kind of go from there. It's much better to have too much information and to not use it than to, uh you know i don't know that's that's but that's just what i always try to do yeah that made no sense but no I, we'll see <laughs> yeah that's a great answer can i think for a second i got a hot cup of coffee nolan take as much time as you need i'm chilling <laughs> i have my this is a branded cup this is a cbs mornings cbs national news i was an intern at this show i'm gonna flex now Oh, and by, and by flex, I mean, I was there for six months and then I got <laughs> rotated to another show because that's how the the internships at CBS work. Um, it's actually the page program. But. Oh, yeah. Sp go. Speaking of interning, is it OK if we talk about the thing I asked you a while ago? Absolutely, Nolan. I was thinking about it. I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out. I, the, the, you know, it's funny. It's just I'm trying to figure out a place where. I could have you work on the show. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything yet just because I love all the like little minute details of making yeah. content. Um, it doesn't seem like much. Like, you know, when I say like, oh, I have an interview show, it just seems like, oh, people come on and you talk for an hour and then that's it. But there's a lot of little things. Yeah, yeah. But if I come up with something, Nolan, you are at the top <laughs> of my list. And same, if yes. you need an intern, I'll be your intern. Yes. We'll be each other. <laughs> we'll get, we'll be like, we're going to, we're going to get the, it'll be not profitable for either of us because I'll be <laughs> doing the stuff for your show, what you'll be doing for me. But so, yeah. Well, yeah. Can I think for a second? Take, like I said, take as much time. I'm, I'm just chilling. <laughs> 
So when you worked for those news shows, uh -huh. was the process completely different compared to how you do your show? Well, first of all, I'm making about $10 million less a year than the people on the shows that I was working on. <laughs> That's I actually don't know how much they make. So let me just clarify that. I've never seen any pay stubs. I'm just I'm just in, you know, what I read on the news. Um to be honest, I actually kind of learned a lot about how things can be put together in last minute and how it's not like you you a lot of live television is you think there's a lot of long-term prep work, but a lot of it is people just thinking on the fly and putting stuff together. Mm. And that kind of makes it nervous since I live stream everything, all, all my episodes, it makes me a little bit less nervous about the idea that I'm, I might be putting stuff together up until right before I, I go live before I thought, Oh, I have to be like ready, ready, ready four days ahead of time. But now I've, I don't know because of that because it it made it kind of more normalized to see that how live television works and how sometimes they're just two minutes before they're airing they're getting prepared for it. That is sort of something that I learned from that in terms of it. In terms of the actual way I produce it, um, well, I'm using all free software. That's one big difference. <laughs> I'm using OBS and DaVinci Resolve. I don't I don't know if there's really I'm going off on a crazy tangent here. You're I don't good. know if there's a lot of overlap in how they do it. Um but just really just one thing that I learned is that like it's okay for it to be hectic as long as right when you are recording you are calm. You know? That's okay. And it's normal to be stressed about something up to the minute that it happens. <laughs> you don't have to be you don't have to be perfectly ready and perfectly confident. 24 hours ahead of time to get something good out on the air because if that was true live news um you know uh saturday night live would not exist so that's one one little thing i'm so glad i'm talking to you about this stuff it makes me feel so much better because whenever i do this show i i i actually get i mean i've i've had episodes before where i said a lot that i get nervous and i had to take a moment to breathe uh-huh yeah and i'm trying to do my best to do that less but it makes me feel better that that's normal for people oh yeah i you <laughs> know i'll tell you this is so... this is gonna sound so ridiculous i up until because I, I i started my channel in uh, september i think of 2020 and it and I basically did it for a year and a half, and then I had my job as a page, which I loved, but the schedule was so tight, and it was so it would change constantly. Like they'd call you the day before sometimes and be like, "You're working a, a totally different TV show tomorrow," and so I couldn't really schedule with people. Like I couldn't schedule interviews because I might have to cancel, and I actually had to cancel my first week as a page an interview with this guitarist named Mark Latiri from the band Snarky Puppy, mm. who he was. I don't know why he was nice enough to when I emailed a year later and said, can we reschedule? I'm sorry about <laughs> canceling a year ago. He was nice enough to to do it. That's um, awesome. But uh, what was I saying? I was saying about the pages. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Actually, I don't know. What what was the question you asked me? Again, this is going to happen. I'm going to go that, off topic. But, yeah, you're good. That happens to me too, where I just completely forget on my show. But yeah, I think I asked you. Oh, you were talking about being nervous. Yeah. That's what it is. Everyone's going to watch this and go, I'm not going to. They're like, why, why would I watch this kid ramble on some <laughs> other channel about getting being an intern? Um I so I did those like year and a half, took a year off, and then I started my show back up, right? I used to get so nervous, and it's as, as recent as when I restarted, which was about a year and a half ago, that on the days where I would live stream, I literally could not eat. Now, here's the thing. Was anyone watching these live streams? No. My mother and father were. That's it. So it's not like there was this, I don't know what it was, but I wanted to do well so badly that I would literally like the day of an interview with someone, it didn't matter who it was. I would just not eat. I would just be like sitting in my room, just like dreading it. This It's like weird dreading for it to happen, but excited for it to happen. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, Oh, I'm going to say something stupid <laughs> and then it's going to, and then the internet's going to crash. And then why am I doing this? It was up to like a year ago, maybe a year and a half where I could function leading up to having to do an interview, which just sounds so, it's so ridiculous. But um, my point is that it's very normal. And I think, uh, I don't think it would, I think it'd be normal to not have some amount of, of nerves. Maybe it's also not normal to have that extent, but you know, I don't know how other people feel about it. I think it's better than none at all. I mean, I don't, I actually, I've, when I've listened to your episodes, I've heard that you're also a fan of Nardwar. Is that right? You're totally, see now Nardwar is someone who I love, but I don't, he's like the total, kind of the opposite of how I do things where he is, I don't think anyone knows more about a guest ever than Nardwar. <laughs> like my dream would be to do that, but I can't, I physically can't find out how to have as much information about every single person on my show as Nardwar does about his. It's insane. Nardwar is the absolute man. Like I said, he's, he's a, not. Yeah. I don't think I, my style is similar to his, but he, I just, he's just the, he's just the best. He's, he's a goat like, for sure. Yeah. I should have mentioned him earlier as like someone who's amazing. I was going to ask, have you seen his TED Talk where he talks about nervousness and a bunch of other stuff? I I know I did. It was probably years ago, so I don't really remember specifics, but I'm sure oh. it, in one of my many Nardwar like, binges, yeah. it, I'm sure I've seen it. <laughs> well, I, it, think, I think his TED Talk really inspired my, my current view on nervousness because... Even right now, I'm nervous saying this, which is funny. But basically, how he described nervousness is that it's a good thing to have because that shows that you're excited. And I have heard this. I've yeah. had, yes. Okay. Yeah, that basically, that's how I view nervousness now. And it's all thanks to his TED Talk. That's a really positive way to look at that. Cause that's true. If you, if you're not nervous, it means you don't care. And if you don't care, no one's going to, no one else is going to care. You know? Yeah. A lot of people don't care about things, Nolan. <laughs> you know, a lot of people pretend to care about things. And there are definitely some things that I pretend to care about. That's <laughs> I can't even, I'm, I'm, I'm a total hypocrite. There are definitely some things that I pretend to care about it, but you know, 
this is not not one of them sometimes i wonder if if i overthink too much on my show and in what in what way i guess i can't remember now it's probably because i'm overthinking too much about what i was <laughs> thinking about and now i can't remember <laughs> i've been there a million times i know <laughs> i know exactly what you're saying that's funny there's going to be so many meta questions because i'm i'm interviewing an interviewer and it's going to be uh -huh. so so interesting yeah, you know, look, you and I are in the exact same boat. We're trying to do very similar things, uh, and we're just figuring it out at the exact same time. So this is like, you know, this is like couples therapy. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're both we're both in the exact same ship, um, and we're sinking a little. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're, you know, there's just always kidding. a little bit. You got to be sinking a little bit, otherwise you're too confident, and then you'll crash into an iceberg. You know. <laughs> um yeah what do you think makes a good question the first thing being that like i, like I said earlier and well it's actually you said it first but about care really wanting to know it um and then that really is honestly that's really it it's just you you genuinely asking it not asking it because you have to and um one thing is as long as it doesn't start with what was it like? I'm never, those are the, those are those <laughs> questions. I'm, I'm usually not a fan of. So if you care about it and the question doesn't start with what was it like? then that, I think it makes a good one. Cool. Do you ever on your show, do you ever accidentally ask a question that was basically the same as another question that you asked previously? Yes. yes a million times. Yes. <laughs> I, um, have a bad tendency which i've probably already displayed to say something and then immediately forgot forget that i say it <laughs> and then just start talking about something else and all all of a sudden i've gone around the roundabout 75 times and i'm back where i started and that's especially you i do that normally like that's just when i'm with my friends <laughs> they will bust my chops about the fact that i will bring up something i've already brought up now you add to it that I know I'm on camera and I'm trying to not seem incompetent to the person who just responded to my email out of the goodness of their heart and is on my show. And then I'm also with mine, I'm doing camera cutting and I'm controlling graphics and stuff with my right hand as I'm talking to people. Mm. So you add in the ambidex ambidextrosity <laughs> or whatever it is. And it just makes it worse. So I don't, I don't have any specific ones that I remember probably because when it happens, I'm like miserable about it for a day and try to wipe it out of my head. But 100% I do that. Do you have you worked on getting better at that at all? And would you have any advice for keeping that attention when you're talking to someone? It's I, I think I have gotten better at it. But I, it, it's definitely not something that's perfect i don't think you can be perfect at speaking ever i mean there are people who are 95 years old and they're not perfect at speaking so <laughs> i don't i can't expect to do it now um but the i think it's just one of those things where you just have to pay really close attention to what the person is saying and try not to get too involved in what you're doing on your end um the most times that i've found myself going did i ask this already did they mention this already 
is when I'm too, I'm overthinking what I want to ask rather than actually listening to what they're saying. Hmm. So as long as you're just really paying attention and absorbing what, what they're saying and, and the more that you do that, it'll become easier for you to balance your head being, okay, where am I going with this conversation? And am I actually paying attention to what they're saying? It's one of those things that you just like, I'm st still trying to figure out how to get that perfect. And like I said, I probably never will, but it's just, it's one of those things where you just do it over and over and over again. Yeah. For me, I, I found that the more minimalistic my setup is, the easier it is to focus. And I mean, right now my setup literally is, I have a program with some questions written down mm -hmm. and then I have you to the left. I actually, I purposely, I try to make sure I can't see myself because I used to have it where I can see myself and I would, <laughs> I'd be so worried about how I look and all of that, that it would help. It would not help at all with my focus. I'm it's so hard right now to not look at myself in the top <laughs> right corner of this screen. I'm trying to keep perfect eye contact with you on the monitor. Cause if I don't do that, I'll be constantly looking like, is my hair a mess? <laughs> I just had this long train ride. So my hair is a little bit, you know, the headphones are kind of covering it, but I could get in a bad habit of just staring at myself and then not paying attention to anything that's happening. Well, if it makes you feel better. I think it looks good. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's wavy today. It could be, it could be worse. It could be better, but you know, that point in your hair where it's not short enough to look good and it's not long enough to pull it down. So it looks good. Yeah. You're just in that, like you bit, you look like an ugly baby doll. That's where my <laughs> hair is right now. That's kind of where I, I'm like a cabbage patch kid from like, I don't know, 1965. And it's just that that's the point on my hair in three months. You're going to be like, Oh, that's a cool head of hair. And if I cut <laughs> it, you'd be like, that looks pretty good. But right now, you know, I'm, I'm on a day to day basis, whether or not it's tolerable. I think it's cool. Thank you. What got you into DJing? I lost my job at CBS television. Oh, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I four or five years ago, my, I had a really, what were you gonna say? I was going to ask if you, you wouldn't mind explaining the story. Oh yeah. I don't mind. I, um, basically what happened was years and years ago, my friend, who's he goes by the the name orange bananas he's a bassist and a producer amazing songwriter and he's like the best dj i've ever seen now to be fair i don't really study djing so i <laughs> i haven't seen a ton and ton but whenever i do see stuff or they're like this guy's the best i look at my friend who can do it without ear, like monitoring or anything and i'm like he's still better somehow like he's the i i think he i think he's the best but he got me and my roommate Valerio into it right before the pandemic happened, probably like late 2019, early 2020. And so I had very basic, very basic knowledge of how to do it. And then the pandemic happened. So I never ended up doing it as a job. And during the pandemic, I graduated college and there was no gigs. I was a performance major on drums. Like you can't drum in this, in the city. There was like, the city was like the walking dead for a, probably an entire year. Nothing was open. No one was out on the streets. It was, it was weird. So I was like, I need to get a very, a more traditional job to pay these bills now that I'm out of college. And I loved when I was in high school, I used to watch the tonight show with Jimmy Fallon every night, which is that sparked my love for late night television, which is why like 
I call my show the Vibe Chamber, the internet's late night show. Why? Because it makes it more fun for me. That's why I do it. <laughs> but I was like, okay, well, let me try to work at a TV show. I could work at a late night show. I loved, I loved Fallon. I applied to so many different jobs. I can't, I can't even remember how many. Probably more than, I'd say probably 30, maybe just like TV internships. And I got this job as a CBS page, which is where uh, I worked at CBS Mornings. <laughs> and that basically how a page works is you get rotated a bunch. And so you meet people at all different shows. Um, and by the way, may I add, the people at CBS Mornings are like the greatest. Gail, Tony, Nate, and everyone on that side. The nicest people I think I've ever met in, in the industry and just in general. But I had met the this group of people who were the the people who, um, they like, I don't know what the right word for this is. They're responsible for the studio audiences in television shows. So they're the people that make sure that they can fill the studio with people, how many tapings they have per day. I met them before I had gone on my rotation to CBS Mornings. And so when they needed a new PA to work partially at the Rachel Ray show, which was at one, in one part of New York, in one part of the city, and the other part of the Drew Barrymore show, which is uh, on 57th Street, they hired me because I had met them in a short rotation as a page. What ended up happening, though, was right at the end of both shows' seasons, Rachel Ray retired. So Rachel Ray, she, or she, I don't know if she retired like from doing everything, but she, she her show stopped, and now she's doing, mm -hmm. I think, like philanthropy, uh, I think she like makes meals for people in underprivileged places. So when that happened, they cut our team back down. And since I was the newest to join, I was the first to go. Makes total sense. I, as soon as she was, I heard that her show was ending. I was like, okay, I better get my ducks in a row. Cause I know how this goes. Uh. And my buddy who had taught me to DJ four years prior was like, Hey, I can get you on this booking app. This is a 35 minute story that was supposed to be like 60 seconds. I apologize. No, yeah, um, that's great. He, he's like, let me get you on this booking app that I, I'm on. And they accepted me and texted me two days later to start working. They're <laughs> like, hey, can you work this Saturday at this this bar in the city? And then I immediately spent like. Let's see. No, I think I got I joined the app like a week before my first gig. And then like two days before I started doing it that week. All I was doing was just downloading music because I was like, I need to do well at this because my job is done and I can't in New York City, you can't go a month or two without income. You'll be screwed. So it was really just like a desperation thing that I needed a job right now. And it was the first thing that happened. But what ended up happening now is I can choose my whether I not want to work or not. They offer me dates and I can say yes or no. And it's always late at night so I can schedule interviews on my YouTube channel whenever I want. So mm -hmm. it was like a total desperation thing, lost my job. And I, even though I knew it was coming, I was freaking out when it happened. Like I got the call and I was like, I knew what the call was going to be, but I was still sitting there afterward. Like, oh, this is no good. I just spent two <laughs> years investing myself in this industry and now I'm just done. Oh. Um, but it, it honestly, one of the best things that happened for me, because now I can, I devote myself like 100% of my, my, time not DJing is just playing Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and working on the Vibe Chamber. <laughs> so that's the um, incredibly long 
novelization version of how I'm uh, hit play on a DJ turntable three nights a week. <laughs> I think it's so interesting how whenever something you think is going wrong in your life, oftentimes that really just leads to another opportunity that might be even yeah. better for you. Yeah, I. That's part of the reason I was I was going through some nonsense uh, at the end of 2020, bunch of things. And I was like, I need to get my mind off all this. I got to start working on something. Like I said, I couldn't do drums, which is why I started my, my YouTube channel. So like all this stuff that was negative that was happening, I ended up turning into something that will give me five years. If If in five years I'm not on top of the world, then it'll just be a negative created by another negative. But right now you know i'd like to view it as a uh a positive <laughs> that came out of that kind of stuff uh, you know just keeping an open mind yeah that's it's a lot better than um i feel like nowadays the world is so there's so many different problems everywhere i mean it's the case in every time period really there's yeah. so many different problems and i think focusing too much on the negative even though it's hard is not healthy it's always Never better good. to keep an open mind if you can. You look, because you can, you, the whole thing about making, uh, le you know, making lemonade out of lemons, you know, <laughs> that's true. Like, if, if you just keep the mind, if you keep the mindset of like, well, something crappy just happened, so I'm just going to be miserable about it, um, then you'll probably stay being miserable. But if you keep the mindset of like, well, let me see what I can do with it, it might work. I'm talking like I'm Confucius, but I'm, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I feel like I do that on my show too. I'll I'll come up with this lesson that I learned. And I mean, I feel like by doing this interview show, I actually learned so many lessons and yeah, it, it really shapes how I live my own day-to-day -day life. Every time I have a guest on that, look, learn, I, I love to learn stuff. And that's part of the reason I like doing what I do is learning stuff hands-on from people that I specifically like want to learn from, you know? So yeah, that's the best way to do it. And you and I are very fortunate people that we have the, the privilege of being able to be able to learn people, learn from other people that we, you know, care about. Yeah. So can I think for a second? Yeah, yes, sir. Do you have any guest that you really want to have on in the future? And maybe they're more busy people and they might be mm -hmm. harder to reach, but you think that you probably could get them on if you worked really hard to reach out to them? Like I've had people on that I never thought in a million years I would get to. Um Gail King is one of them who, I mean, that's a different circumstance. She, I met her when I was a, a page and she's just like one of those people that like, I don't think it registers to her how famous she is. So when you like, there's, there's no ego or anything. So when I like asked, would she do this? There was, there was no like, I'm Gail King. I'm not going to do this. It was just like, oh yeah, of course. That's someone I used to work with. I'm, you know, <laughs> so in, Many people, Steve Gadd, Steve, I basically have to say everyone, if I was going to say, talk about everyone that I didn't think I'd ever be able to talk to, Honestly, but just, Sam. you know, some of them, 
Um, so I, I've, I try to be very optimistic and, and go for essentially anyone that I'm interested in, whether or not I think that they'll actually say yes or no. Yeah. Cause why not? You know, it's not, like my hands, like, if, there's if not acid on my keyboard. Yeah. I'm not like burning myself on sulfuric acid, trying to like type in an email saying, would you <laughs> be on my show? One per, I don't know if I could get him at this point. John Williams, the, mm. the composer. I love John Williams. Yeah, he is one person. And then I can't think of again, anyone who I, doesn't love him. He is well. Actually, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> I I know some people who like hate John Williams, which really? is the most specific thing to dislike. They're like. Because John Williams does have a tendency to base a lot of his soundtracks off of things that he's heard. Oh yeah, like everyone. Yeah, that's everyone, everyone does. Though, yeah, he had. I will say, there's a couple <laughs> examples. A couple examples where they're very, 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 very similar. Specifically, there's like there's a very old uh, classical piece that sounds like Darth Vader's march. I can't remember what it's called. Uh. There are a few. There are a few examples of that kind of like linear thinking where it's like very similar, but. Yeah when you have been writing music for 375 as as... years, like John Williams has <laughs> that that's bound to happen. Um, yeah. So John Williams. And then there's a cop car going outside. I don't know if you can hear that. My walls yeah. are made out of paper mache. So um, if someone sneezes in the apartment across <laughs> the street, I get like an HD version of it in my ear. Um, you've heard, you've probably heard cop sirens on, my should do a couple of times, so no worries. Really? Yeah. Um. Yeah, John Williams, just because I think he's the most so in, like I, his ability to to capture the essence of whatever he's composing for in audio form is like unmatched. Insane. Insane. Similarly, Hans Zimmer. Love oh, yeah. Hans Zimmer specifically. Interstellar. I got the whole Christopher Nolan Blu-ray set, 4K <laughs> Blu-ray set. And his work on all that is amazing. Yeah. Um. And then Brian Cranston, I don't know. I, I don't know if I I could get Brian Cranston on. I'd probably at this point, you know, he's he's doing the Today Show, so he's he's got other things to worry about. He's got other, you know. But I think he's one of the best actors I've ever seen in my entire life. And you know what? Also, Martin Scorsese. Again, none of I'm not I'm not saying I these people would say yes or not. These are just like my absolutely. I love these people. Martin Scorsese is up there. What when about you, you? Oh, for me? Oof. I think for me, it would be... So, most of the people that I I really admire are musicians. Uh huh. So, it would it would probably be Jacob Collier. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with him. Oh, dude, I've been listening to Jacob Collier since I was in high school. When I was, me too. I was a mass, massive Snarky Puppy fan in high school. They were my jam, and I had known about him on YouTube and then they released this this film called or it was an album called Family Dinner Volume 2 and I went to go see the like film screening of the concert video and he has a song called Don't You Know on that which is also on his I think it's his debut record in my room I think is what it's yeah. called and um yeah so I've been I've been hip to Jacob Collier since forever sorry keep going me too I was going to say he's actually I consider to him to be my musical hero because really anytime I feel bad about my skills in music or really just anything if i listen to a video of him talking about something his energy is just so unmatched 
that yeah i feel so inspired anytime i hear him talk he's one of those people that's so into what he's doing that even if you're not a musician you're just like i want to hear this kid talk yeah like because he's just so you know the harmony you get the key, you know, this, this is the diminished flat five. And then you do the home. It's beautiful, beautiful, you know? Yeah, he's awesome. And then I would also say anyone from the band Wolfpack. Absolutely. They're also my favorite band. And actually, this might sound weird, but I'm also a big fan of AJR. The pop okay, band. I know AJR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, they they uh, get a lot of hate for some reason. World's smallest violin. Da, da, da. Yeah. Yeah, I know that group. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. That would be my top three. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And, yeah. Dope. <laughs> I don't know why AJR gets a lot of hate. I actually, I really like their music a lot because their beats are so different compared to what you hear on the radio. They do use a lot of interesting samples. Now, I don't, I'm not like a, I know them. I'm not really a, a fan of theirs per se, but they, I will give them the credit that they there's some stuff in there. Where I'm like, I wouldn't have thought to throw this sample in. You yeah. Know? Do you think everyone should start their own interview show? No, because then less people will want to watch mine and yours. <laughs> That's true. Uh, well, first of all, let's be fully honest with ourselves, Nolan. Everyone already has. <laughs> every every single person on the planet Earth now has a podcast. <laughs> And I'm one of those people, and you're one of those people. Um, but, you know, if you want to, like if you're with the kind of person that wants this, if you're doing it just because you want to put content out and you think it's easier just to have someone else like to talk to, you think that's it? No, because then it's not real. But if you like want to do it, it's fun, then absolutely. It's great. It's, Zoom has made it possible. I couldn't do anything if there was no video chat. You know, rest in peace, Skype. But... <laughs> I couldn't, you know, that nowadays anyone could do it. If they really want to do it, you can talk to people that you never thought you'd be able to because you don't have to book them to come. You don't have to get a flight. They can just talk to you right over the internet, which is, I mean, obvious. That's not groundbreaking information that I'm shedding. But yeah, if if it's something you're passionate about, about then yes. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Skype, I actually, I, when I started my interviews, I used Discord. Mm -hmm. to record okay. and i think even if you use discord i think that's still a good i mean it's free right it's still really good for absolutely for this kind of thing it's i i have had a <laughs> i'm 25 years old i should not be putting this out because it makes me sound so stupid <laughs> me and my friends have had a minecraft server for like five years <laughs> And so I'm very acquainted to talking to my friends on, on Discord. Like anything that's free and easy for someone to use is the best way to do it. As easy it is as it is for someone to get on their computer and talk to you, that's all that's important. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, you just the gotta, then you just got to learn how to do it. Yeah. Can I think for a second? Absolutely. I'm going to put some lip balm on. <laughs> oh, this one might be out. I think I should do that for my pepper preparation, honestly. Do you know I wear makeup before I do the vibe chamber? Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, because I, here's the thing. Everything I do for my my YouTube channel is because it's more fun for me. I have the philosophy that like not everything has to be necessary 
in terms of what it it gives to like an actual like what it objectively gives to the final product i i just want to do everything in my power to make everything the most fun <laughs> for me to do it because that in and of itself will make the final product better and i was like looking at myself and i was going like man my skin is looking a little little whack here okay so i was like what do they do uh, you know i'm looking shiny that's the first thing because i especially in the summer i turn my air off to do these and so then i'm all I, I look like a mirror and so i was like and then people on television always ever between every commercial are putting powder on that's one thing i did learn there you go <laughs> there, now i have an answer for what you asked me like 20, 30 minutes ago um I do. I do. I wear powder because of I watch people on television do it, and that's really it. And I it makes it more fun for me because I feel more official. That's why I do it. Wow. Well, that gives me a lot to think about. As a drummer, do you think that being good at rhythms has affected other areas of your life? Yes. Um, namely. <laughs> I find it really hard to sleep if there's any type of rhythm going on around really? my room, which in New York City is kind of difficult because um, people are almost always playing music. But since my brain is kind of uh, this makes this sound so annoying and like like I'm like a genius is what it makes. I'm, I'm not trying to say I, my brain is so attuned to rhythms that whenever I hear anything consistent, anything with a pulse, my brain immediately is like, what is that? Listen to it. <laughs> and so it distracts me. If it's like random white noise, oh, I love that. Beautiful. I knock right out. But if I'm trying to sleep and I hear any type of rhythm anywhere that's consistent, my brain like immediately goes to that and I can't focus on anything else. So that's one thing that has its, that's a negative aspect of it, but it's positive in the sense that I'm always just whenever I'm hearing anything, the first thing that I notice, like especially if it's like a new song, is what the groove is, which works for it helps for DJing because as a DJ, your entire job is making sure that you're attuned to the the like tempo that the whole crowd is and knowing uh -huh. what how a song, what type of song, what feeling that crowd wants that night. And it changes yeah. every single day. Um, and your entire job is just kind of hone in on that and have a Rolodex in your head of going like this specific beat is really working right now. And if you are attuned to that, you can go, oh, I know something that fits just right with this, that that is exactly in this, this vein. So it, it helps for me in that sense. But the negative is, like I said, if I'm trying to do anything and I hear a rhythm, it, it, I can't focus on anything else. Do you, so do you often play in a band as a drummer? Yeah, I did. Well, oftens. <laughs> I did a lot in college. And then once I started the Vibe Chamber and once I got my job, I really narrowed down that it's it became less of a, a career option for me. Because in college, I kind of realized I don't want to be touring in my life. Like I, my, I think my life's mission is to have like a family and, and children. That is like for me is my I, I, I have so many things that I'm passionate about, but on like a core level that's what i want and i realized i don't want to be running around you know touring with people carrying my drum set every night to some random place uh and going out of town all the time because you can't really have a, a family like that unless you're you know 
really killing it, making a ton of money and you can, you know, come back home all the time. Um, so I really narrowed it down and I would just play with one of my good friends who's named Augie Bello. He's, uh, if you ever heard on TikTok, there's a remix of Miss Jackson with a sax solo on it. I'm That's actually not on like, TikTok. I deleted TikTok. So it's good <laughs> that you're not on it. It's ter- It's the worst. It's awful. But he has this very, if you, most people would know him from this sound that's been used like a trillion times of him soloing over Miss Jackson by Outcast. Um, and whenever he calls me up, I'm like, yes, let's do it. Cause it's me and then my friend, the Orange Bananas, the DJ, he's a bassist. Uh, so it's really just my my friends and stuff. So I'm, I, I save drumming for times where I know it's going to be really fun for me. And then the DJing is my actual like job, job. You play any other instruments? I play. I was gonna say there used to be a guitar hanging up there. I can play bass a little bit, um, and I can do very, very, very basic stuff on a guitar, and like keyboard and stuff like that. But again, it's like very, very uh, elementary. Drums are my only instrument where I actually feel, you know, confident when I'm doing it. So. Do you think that being able to play music has helped you interview other musicians as well? Yes, and it goes back to that thing of having information in the back of your head to pull from when you feel like you have nothing else to say. Um, when I talk to musicians, I feel like there's... I, I have a, a kind of a base connection with them in, in some amount that makes it easier for me to keep a conversation going because at the end of the day, I can fall back on just talking shop with musicians, especially drummers. So, you know, you, you go to a drummer and you just say something drummy sounding and they could go off for three and a half hours. So it's, it's nice knowing that I have that, uh, uh, like in the back of my head, kind of always ready to go when I talk to them. It also makes it a little more stressful because I'm not the best at remembering specific facts about music, like albums, I, unless it's something that I've listened to a million times, I'm probably not going to remember the name of all the songs on an album or who was playing on it. And when you talk to musicians, especially old school guys, they know so much. And so I like, the, you know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that was Miles Davis's record for that. Oh, that was on that was on, you know, Blue No in 1967. And so while I do have information that can help me with them sometimes because I just naturally don't remember that kind of stuff it stresses me out a little bit because I feel like since I'm a musician, there's a pressure to know it. Um, but in general, yeah, it does, it does help a little bit that I feel just kind of that base connection with them that makes talking a little bit easier. Yeah, I actually, I agree with that a lot. I think sometimes I worry a little bit though, that because I haven't interviewed anyone who isn't a musician at all. So I'm uh-huh. a little worried about how, when I do interview someone like that, how I'll ask questions to them. Because so much of what I ask is related to music, but that's also why I I changed the name of the show. The original name was actually called Melody Makers, and then I changed that to what it is now, which is Artist Corner. So yeah, that yeah. way I can I can talk to different kinds of people. I was wondering if when you interview people who you're not maybe you're not as familiar with what they do, if you have any ways to ask better questions if for some reason it's not something that i'm because like like i said some of the stuff i become familiar with in the fact that like while i'm researching 
the, the people and some of it's stuff that I just know already because they're I've already been interested in them. And the cases where it's someone who I feel like I just I innately know less than someone else just because I, you know, I haven't been keeping up with them for all my life like some other people. Uh, the main thing is I just try to talk to personal stuff, you know, because that's something that everyone has in common. Instead of always talking shop, uh, you know, ask about like everyone loves food. That is one thing. Yeah. If I really, if I really want to like connect with somebody, <laughs> and I and I want to learn about them as a person rather than you know just rec recite statistics about their career, um, I like to you know where what are the best places to eat in Houston, Texas? If they're from Houston, Texas, if they're not from Houston, Texas, then it's very embarrassing because you just said it. <laughs> but uh, you know that kind of a thing. Where where would you eat? You know where are the best places? That everyone loves that. You know can talk about really personal things, things that aren't necessary necessarily just uh you know career focused cool what are some places you like to eat at in new york oh don't get me started <laughs> nolan okay first of all i'm gonna say the craziest thing ever and i was just there which makes me think about it the best food in new york state is in utica new york not new york city i'm now i need to make sure my address here is hidden like I'm going to, I'm going to go find out. Cause if anyone sees this and knows that I said that the best food is not in New York city, they're going to kill me. The Utica, New York is the best place. If you like Italian food, you, it cannot oh, yeah. be beat. There's this place called Delmonico steakhouse. And they have this thing called chicken riggies, which is like penne alla vodka, but with rigatoni and chicken in it. The best That's, you'll ever get. That sounds so good. There's this place called Venice pizzeria, which is, has, which has something called tomato pie, which sounds vile. But it, what it really is, is just, it's basically upside down pizza, just like <laughs> dough and, and sauce and like Parmesan cheese on the top. That's the absolute best. Um, what about dessert places? Okay. There's a place, again, in Utica, New York. All my places are in, in around <laughs> Utica. It's called Holland Farms. It is the best bakery. If anyone has ever been there, you know I'm not lying. <laughs> and it was, it's, have you ever seen The Office? Yes. Do you remember there's there there's so many episodes in the office I feel like I I mix so many of them together. Do you remember it's she's played by Rashida Jones. I think it's Karen Filippelli. She's uh Jim's like ex-girlfriend. She moves to a different office location which is in Utica, New York, and on the desk when this episode opens is a box of Holland Farms donuts from this place that I like. Because they like went and figured out all the local specialties, so when they do did that episode, it is like accurate. Um, that's how iconic this place is. <laughs> that is that is the spot. It's funny how you talked a lot about Italian restaurants because uh -huh. I actually work in an Italian restaurant currently as my day job. Oh, really? Yeah. What What do you do? I'm just a dishwasher. Hell yeah, man! That's yeah. the way, dude. Paying the bills is an underrated thing, <laughs> you know. I and especially now you get to probably do do you get get to like get free food and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I and discounts. If I had and discount if I had discounted slash free food in an Italian restaurant, I don't think I'd do anything else. I would just eat all day. <laughs> that is, I can. That is my comfort food. My family's Italian, so like, I'm jealous about that. I never. Yeah. I that's. Are there a lot of Italians in Hawaii? No, it's just. Actually, there's not not enough Italian restaurants in Hawaii. So there's there's not enough Italian restaurants anywhere. There's gotta be more. <laughs> true, that's true. <laughs> Unless you go to Italy, which I have. 
Yeah, I guess it's, <laughs> there's, there's, probably, there's probably enough there. I've never been, though. I'm very much, I was raised on, you know, fake Italian food, like, which I guess is also sacrilegious, but like, you know, American, American Italian food, stuff that was invented in, in Little Italy, that kind of stuff. I've never actually been to the, to the real place. Do you have any other hobbies outside of music or podcasting? Oh, yeah. I, first of all, Super Smash Brothers, that is my jam, okay? <laughs> I'm the kind of, I'm the kind of, when we're done with this, I'm yeah. going to watch a, a tournament. That's how <laughs> stupid this is. Um, and then I, I have, a, a, we can see behind me, this is a 150 inch uh, screen. That's a screen? Up, yes, like, not like a TV. Up above me is a projector that I project onto that. And my hobby is I love to collect 4K Blu-ray movies <laughs> and then watch watch them on this. That's awesome. That is my, I love that. Um, I had no idea that was a screen. Yeah. Yeah, it's it was like twenty bucks on Amazon, so it's not really much. It's basically just a white cloth with a a black border that I like tack to my wall. Um, yeah, that's all you that, need. That that is like my, uh, I love that so much. I we could do four and a half hours where we just talk about like the technical specifications of <laughs> film film transfers and like the cases the discs come in, and you know. Did you see that? For Did you see that they released a four K version of this the original SpongeBob movie? really yeah how do they i have okay. no idea i saw it on twitter that's crazy that mean wow because sometimes okay i'm gonna stop myself because again this <laughs> i could it, 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 it this could go on forever but the the way that movies are, are transferred from film or to 4k like old movies is that they're made on film and film has a really high resolution it just degrades very quickly um, but since film is optical, it's real light reacting with real ions on a on a sheet of film. If you scan it in the if the film is stored correctly and you scan it well, it has incredibly high resolution. Like it's like IMAX film is like sixteen or eighteen K equivalent to digital. So that would mean that SpongeBob was then ha was hand animated and then put on film because I doubt that they would have ma masked. That's crazy. I gotta <laughs> see that. Now, I'm gonna buy that. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully that's real. I hope I'm not. I hope I hope I didn't see something that they just lied about, you know, because that can happen sometimes. Yeah. That's true. That was my i my first iPod I ever had was this, like a second or third gen iPod Nano with the screen that's like that big, and I owned the music video to Into the Night, which was Santana featuring Chad Kroger from Nickelback and the SpongeBob movie. So <laughs> I go back on the SpongeBob movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a really funny story, actually. When I was at work one time, they were playing, you know, the Goofy Goober song? Oh, I mean, yes. obviously, that's not even yeah. a question, but <laughs> they played the original song that, you know, oh, that song yep. basically covered. It's and a I had, of, yeah. I had no idea. And I was yep. like, wait, this sounds really familiar. So I went to the iPad at work and played Goofy Goober right after that song. <laughs> That's it's I want I want to rock is the original right I, I think want so. to rock yeah and dun, da, 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 da. that's awesome I feel like <laughs> that'd be a great thing to eat like a like spaghetti bolognese with goofy goober playing above me <laughs> well it was after we closed but oh yeah that's still I mean it's still awesome but I would think it's pretty hilarious if everyone's sitting there drinking like a Bordeaux that's French that wouldn't make sense.
I'll do that. Know. I'll do that next time we're open and that song plays. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get a swift eviction notice from your job. <laughs> what if I get fired for doing that? I'm gonna say that I do not endorse that idea because if I get an email from you saying you told me to play Goofy Goober <laughs> and now I have no no source of income, I'm going to probably I I I don't I don't know how I'll be able to live the rest of my life. <laughs> That's funny. Is there anything that you want to talk about? Ooh. Hmm. So many things. No, it's <laughs> so many things. Um. I don't know. I if you get me on something, I can talk forever. But I have to be like, it has. To, you have to like ignite it. You know. Um. I don't know. I can't come up with anything. See, this is these are the moments where I don't have anything to say, and I'm <laughs> just talking to keep to keep going. You know, you're good. Yeah. Um, are there any movies that you're excited about coming out soon? Yes, I want to see. Uh, well, no, I didn't. I guess not any coming out, but I want to see the Godzilla minus one. Never saw that, and I'm very excited about that. <laughs> and then uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, which is Martin Scorsese's new movie. I want that to be, I want them to release that for home purchase because I will immediately buy that because that's like a three and a half hour movie and that's much more enjoyable to watch in your house than in a theater because then you're like two and a hours in and you have to go to the bathroom <laughs> and you have to do that thing where you feel uncomfortable because you don't want people to like think, wow, this guy's going to the bathroom a lot. Is there something wrong with him? Even though it's like a three and a half hour movie. So you're like sneaking out like this. <laughs> you know that can get a little bit stressful about those long long movies in theaters so i'm excited for that to come to to disc so i can comfortably be in my home and enjoy it yeah i found for me i always i mean going to the movie theater is fun but i i always feel more comfortable watching a movie at home and that makes it more fun to me that's the way to do it yeah. you got to get a projector nolan that's <laughs> my friends are so sick of hearing me talk about <laughs> proje projecting movies it's like I think I'm going to have no friends by the end of this year because I'm just going to have, they're going to be like, I can't hear about this anymore. I'm sorry. Or maybe, maybe your friends will be the characters in the movie. That's true. That's I'm, I'm making a movie right now. That's what's going <laughs> on. <laughs> if you made a movie, what would you make it about? It would definitely be a mob crime movie. I love that. Goodfellas casino. The, I'm just gonna. This is all Martin Scorsese movies. I'm realizing, <laughs> you know, like I guess Reservoir Dogs isn't a mob movie, but I love that crime. If you write anything that has to do with crime, I am 100 there. Throw in Italian mobsters <laughs> and have a good scene where they're eating Italian food, and then I'm just so that would be my movie. It'd be like an Italian mobster movie, and then it would just be so much food that would just be eating in like every scene. That would be my. <laughs> It's so like basically, basically, you're making an Italian mob mukbang movie. That's exactly <laughs> yes. It would just be like it basically be like mobster ASMR, but with like, you know, penne Alfredo and like crispy bread. <laughs> That's so funny. What is your music selection process like when you do DJ gigs? Uh, the first thing is, is I just stare at people creepily, not like in that way, but I'm just staring at like the audience <laughs> and I'm going like, 
okay, wh why are you talking still? What about this song is not hitting you? And I go, that per person's digging it. Um, but that's really it, is I'm just watching what people are reacting to. And then just since I, I listen to a bunch of music, I know what songs kind of overlap. Like, I know that if, if 50 Cent is working, like and if I'm playing like in the club, I'm like, okay, perfect. 90s or early 2000s hip hop, this is working. So if I I can probably play another hit, like I could do like Gold Digger, or Gin and Juice, or like, and then if I want to push it forward, do some Drake. But it's all based on the fact that I'm just staring out. As soon as I start a song, like the instant people can recognize it, I'm like, okay, who's who's digging this? Who's not? And then you know, like if Taylor Swift is working, I can probably do Katy Perry <laughs> and then Miley Cyrus and and all that that kind of stuff. If you know, Avicii is working. You could do Martin Garrix or Calvin Harris. It's really just watching how people react. The number one job for a DJ to do, and again, like I'm not a DJ's DJ. Like I'm not the kind, I don't practice DJing. I, it, for me, it is just a job that I love doing, but at the end of the day, it's a job. Yeah. Um. So I, the only thing that I know is just watch how the crowd reacts to everything and just keep a good knowledge of what stuff is similar to that. Like I said earlier about like knowing what grooves work, you know, maybe two artists sound completely different, but they, each of them has a song that has the, the, the vibe is the same, even if not the lyrical content or the actual genre, but there's just something about it that connects those two. And one of them works, then, you know, you can go to the next one and all that, but just watching the crowd is the, the, what is fully what I'm doing. I do nothing else except watch the crowd and see how they react to stuff. Have you found that your musical taste change when you're in a club setting compared to when you just listen to music at home i love pop music so much but my job is now only i only listen to pop and i'm I'm counting hip-hop in that because i'm playing like pop hip-hop you know nice for what by drake amazing song but that's a pop song at the end of the day it's hip-hop but it's pop um and so as much as i've always loved you know kind of more out music fusion like uh it progressive rock i found myself going more to that when i'm not working because my fix for popular music is done at work so when i'm not working the last thing i want to do is listen to all the songs <laughs> that i just played because i do like five four five six hour sets and so it, it, when i'm i'm like kind of now going more into listening to calmer you know more less produced popular music just because i get my fix for it in uh at work yeah i relate to that with listening not wanting to listen to songs you listen to at work because uh -huh. when i'm at work you know in a restaurant there's the typical restaurant playlist that they play for popular music and mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of different genres that they might play but it's usually it's kind of the same set of songs and you hear a lot of the same songs over a period of time yeah and that's why my oh, sorry. sorry keep going keep going i was just no, gonna no, say no, that, that's, that... that's why at home if i hear that song i skip it immediately because i've been hearing that song all day at work or that's the same the... type of song my my girlfriend used to work at an era apostle in 2017 or 18 and so she cannot listen to the song the middle by zed because <laughs> that's the, that was just on the radio all the time like she will not listen to it because of that and I like that song, but I also didn't have, uh, you know, a retail job at that time. So I, I'm a little bit less uh, adverse to hearing it.
it's also not even necessarily that the songs are bad. It's just you've heard them so many times. You don't want to hear it anymore. My ringtone used to, or not my ringtone, my wake-up tone used to be, which song was it? It was Lingus by Snarky Puppy. You know that one? Yeah, I know that one. Uh, that was my wake-up tone, and I actually had to change it because I love that song so much, and I was starting to hate <laughs> it because it was my wake-up tone, and I had to like not listen to it for months and change my my ringtone so that way when I could hear it again, I wouldn't immediately just start sweating and get stressed out. Yeah, I, that's why you never use your a song that you really like as your ringtone because you will start to hate it. You associate it. I'm I'm Pavlovian in every single possible way with my music. If I associate something I love, but it happens to be with something I dislike, it just ruins it for me for uh, a very long time. Yeah. How do you feel about separating art from the artist? I am 100% the kind of person that can do that. Um, I have a <laughs> I wrote a joke about this, but I will, I'll tell you off because it's very <laughs> it's a it's kind of an off color joke. Okay. But um I I think you know obviously it's I I'm not going to say it's not harder for me to listen to a musician who I think or know has done not good things. Yeah. I'm not going to say that there's not a difference. But at the end of the day in 2000 years the song is really what's going to be the legacy or the movie or whatever it is that the person made, not the person. And you you can't yeah, less like this less than the things they did in their personal life. And like I said, it's not it's definitely not easy. It's not it's not like I don't think about it, but sometimes a song or something is just so good that you can't help it but separate it. And, and like I said, art in itself means so much more than the human that made it to me, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and the legacy that the art will have. The if I'm you know, I'm amazing films are, <laughs> i love saying films <laughs> instead of movies uh amazing movies are going to be watched for years and years and it could be inspiring in a thousand years people could be inspired by an actor who in his personal life was not a good person but they're inspiring his work is inspiring somebody so i don't think you can just completely say that you can't enjoy what they do because of uh, of what they've done and again there's levels to that I, I i'm the kind of i think that there's always a conversation with everything it's not it's all it's never just black and white so it's obviously there are times where it's easier like oh that guy throws litter out his car like tr like trash out his car he litters like that you know is a lot easier than doing something terrible <laughs> and you know associating that but um in general i'm i'm pretty good at separating uh so if i really love something to understand that i love the thing that they made not necessarily the person that made it yeah and i mean especially if you're impacted by a piece of art too i feel like you're not necessarily impacted by the person and how they mm -hmm. were in their personal life you're impacted by the actual art and i think exactly it's important to realize that because sometimes i feel like i've heard a lot of conversations online where people don't know how to separate the two and it, another thing to remember is that if someone does something negative it's going to feel worse to someone who's had that negative thing in their own life than to someone who hasn't so like if someone if people are going to be more impacted by certain things somebody does than other people will be so like if you've yeah. had a negative experience in some particular way and an artist is is someone who perpetuates that thing that's going to sting way more to that person than it is to someone who may 
have it some completely other negative thing that's happened to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I keep that in mind. So like, I know like if, if, if there's an artist where I go like, I really don't get why people are hating on them or hating their art because they're a bad person. I have to tell myself, you know, well, I don't have a personal connection to the thing that this person did. So I can't put myself in their shoes. You know, I'm still going to like the music, but I try to keep, you know, keep in my head that just because I don't feel a person personally attacked by it, that that doesn't mean that someone else shouldn't as well. Or that it also doesn't mean that I should feel attacked for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if let's say there is a song or something that you really like that happened to have been made by someone who did something bad, are -hmm. you less likely to talk about that song with anyone? not talk about it but dj it yes oh yeah that's something that i uh, there was a period of time where lizzo is in some hot water and i love lizzo music i she she's awesome she makes great music and there was like a week where i was playing lizzo and a couple people were giving me some negative looks and i was like i hate to fall to you know a couple of people looking at me, but my job is to make people happy. So I had to kind of take a little break from, from her for, for just, just, a, just a little bit, but talking about it with people, no, because when you're talking, you can like explain yourself more thoroughly and people are more understanding when you're talking to them than when you're just, you know, I don't know. Yeah. When you're in a conversation, it's much more, there's a lot more leeway and stretch and forgivingness. Are there any artists that you really like and are a good role model to you? To contrast what we've been talking about? Well, no, not necessarily. Well, yeah, yes. The The problem is that like my favorite musician of all time is Michael Jackson. And to say that Michael Jackson is a good role model, I think is uh, controversial. <laughs> so that's the, I, I, but like he's my favorite in terms of just the art. He, I don't, I think he's the best that's ever. He's the best that's ever done music, really, in my opinion. In terms of, I'm trying to think of people that I like who are specifically good role models. I'd say you know Michael League from Snarky Puppy, I guess, because he, like, I don't know what he's doing in his private life, but from what it seems, he's just a hardworking guy who does the music that he likes to do, and is just devoted to to making kind of less traditional and. You know, I mean, making a living doing fusion rock jazz is is something you can only do if you're really passionate about it because it's not like there's a massive need for it that it's going to make you a ton of money. So he's someone I think that's just I, I, I grew up I, around high school age, really admiring his work ethic and his ability to just devote himself to the thing that he likes the most and kind of carve out a whole new sector of pop rock or um, rock fusion jazz but somehow make it really popular to a bunch of people my age like that. He's someone I'd say is, is like that. And um, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to really take time to think about that because again, I don't know what these people are doing always in their personal lives. So it's yeah. hard to say, you know? Yeah. Can I think for a second? Absolutely. <laughs> I hope also, I'm how... not droning on too much. No, you're good. Also, I was going to ask, how are you doing so far? I'm having a great time. I, I I love to talk. That's it's my, I love to talk too much. So <laughs> I'm having a I'm having a fantastic time. And I just drank a giant cup of coffee, so I'm just hopped up on caffeine right now. I'm having fun too. Okay, I'm good. All right, that's good.
And you're good. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. You're good. You're great. No, you're you're good. You're good. No, you are. You are too. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything you're working on right now that we can look forward to? I right now I'm just getting I'm really devoting myself to my my show. That is my number one thing. And I'm always trying to make it as high level as possible. Um, and so I'm constantly just like finding ways where I can improve and sometimes succeeding at it, sometimes not. But I'd really just say like the 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 main really devoting myself to saying like, this is what I do. You know, this isn't just a side hobby that I was doing, you know, once college was about to end or ending or whatever it was. I don't remember specifically. Now it's, this is my thing that I do. And I'm, making it as as good as i can in the moment where i'm trying to to do it you know i'm improving something if i'm making it look better it's as good as it's going to look at the time that that's what i'm focusing on um so yeah right now i'm just devoting all my my time to that and learning new skills that help me right now i'm learning how to do very minor java coding to improve my wix website hmm. um that's one thing i made it so when you hover my logo the logo like indents a little bit took two and a half hours because it kept not working <laughs> but you know little things like that i'm just always kind of tweaking what i'm doing and trying to make it better i think that's great i was actually i did an assignment recently for my english class where i had to write an essay on attention to detail and i yeah. think it's cool that you have that in your work i am so into finding something that I'm really jealous of. I'm a really jealous person. Like when I see someone do something really well, um, and this is actually something that Howard Stern used to talk about a lot, is that he's fueled by this jealousy. And I get, I think I have a positive type of jealousy where I don't hate the person. I just get really upset that I'm not as good as them, <laughs> which makes me want to do better. So I'm always comparing like whatever I'm doing. If I'm working on lighting, learning how to light a shot, I'm watching his stuff and I'm going, why are they doing, what are they doing that I'm not? And that helps me get to a, uh, that constant comparison makes it a lot easier to improve. Um, cause I'm comparing with so many different things. I don't fall into the, the habit of just trying to copy one person, but instead I'm kind of keeping my head fresh and not getting, just keeping a type of subjectivity with what I'm doing and looking at what the stuff that I make not as myself, but as someone else would view it because I'm comparing myself constantly. It makes it easier to view things. Uh, I meant to say objectively. I'm viewing it objectively, less subjectively, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I get it. I think that's something I think about too. It's actually so hard to think about what actually is and what is all in here, in your yes. mind. It's and so demo tricky. love is, you know, ever heard the phrase demo love? No, I haven't. It's when you make a demo of something. It's it's like relating to music. You make a demo, you know, your first initial thing. And no matter how much someone tells you, like you could have a hundred people say, you should change this thing. There are some people who get so involved. They get so like attached emotionally to the first iteration of the thing that they made that even something that could be, you know, construed as being objectively better, they're not going to like because they have this intense subjective love for the first version of the thing that they're making. And that is something that I, I fall victim to. So I try to break myself out of it by constantly comparing what I do to everything else. And like I said, I'm talking about it. Like I'm 
painting the Mona Lisa. I'm just talking to people on YouTube, but uh, yeah, just comparing everything I do to something that I feel is better than what I do. And it keeps you constantly improving, at least in some amount. Hmm. Do you think that that can be unhealthy sometimes or is it mm -hmm. generally a good thing? Yeah, it's. I, I think it's unhealthy if you do it with only one thing because then you end up comparing yourself to one specific person and not the overarching uh, uh, level where you want to be. Like if you compare to one specific person or one specific thing, you start to obsess on them rather than the yeah. thing that they're doing and how, how much better you think that theirs is than yours. But if you if you can find a way to find a bunch of sources um, to try to emulate, it makes it less personal and more about the actual uh, experience of improving and that's healthier. But for, I know I can get into a habit of over analyzing and going, why is, do I, am I just like of mentally inferior in terms of like my ability to create things, you know, cause you go <laughs> like, why is my thing so much worse than that other person's thing? Yeah. It, you can fall into that habit, but as long as I, as I keep a lot of sources for that, I can kind of wipe around and, move around and, and keep myself from getting too stuck on one thing i'm so glad i'm talking to you about this stuff because this is the kind of thing i think about a lot and i feel like mm -hmm. i'm going a little crazy sometimes because i don't talk about it enough yeah it's it's definitely good to say you gotta go you know i think i have the unpopular unpop opinion that i think if you you have to kind of um <laughs> you have to kind of hate yourself a little bit at all points with the thing that you're making because if you're perfectly confident in everything you're doing at all times, you're probably either ignorant or not ignorant and not very good, or you're just pompous. And so I, I always try to keep just a touch of just being like, ah, I am worse than everyone else. Just, just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> Cause it keeps, it keeps me going, you know? Yeah. I think sometimes I, I worry that I might have imposter syndrome a bit because when I, whenever I do anything, I always think, I could do everything better. And then for some reason, my brain just focuses on that instead of giving myself a pat on the back for doing it. Okay. I think I see what exactly imposter syndrome is something I've heard about, but I don't really understand how it, like what the depth specifics are. Yeah. So I think it's basically where no matter, I might be wrong a little bit, but I think it's how, whenever you do a good amount of work or let's say you're doing work that is actually good and everyone in your life is saying that you're doing good at it, but no matter how many people say that to you, for some reason, you just can't believe that. Yeah. Okay. That, oh, I, I, yes, I, 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 it's like, yeah, you feel like you're an imposter yeah, because you're not actually you're not actually good, and everyone's yeah okay. Everyone's saying you are, but you don't believe them for some reason, and that's kind of how I am. There's, a lot. Of yeah, I mean, there's something about being the person that makes something that makes it so much harder to like understand. Unless when people tell you it's bad, then you take it really to heart. <laughs> then it <laughs> then it really hits. When someone tells you the thing you made sucked for some reason, that sticks, yeah. and you're like, oh, that person's right. Then someone tells you you're good, and you're like, nah, I'm. They don't know what I'm doing. I'm actually. I'm a fraud, you know? <laughs> so I, I get what you're saying. I guess, yeah, some of that is probably normal to agree, to a degree. I, I mm. think I should probably not worry about it as much. Then again, it's easier said than done, you know? 
100%. Some things you can are just going to be there, you know? Yeah, like anxiety. I actually think oh, anxiety, yeah. no matter how much, you're never going to be completely comfortable, I feel like. You know what yeah. I mean? I I agree with that. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's somebody who's somehow found a way to like coax it down to some, you know, nothing. But if it's not, if it's something that is going to make me nervous, it's going to make me nervous. I'm going to be anxious about it. And I, you know, again, I'm not on, on like anxiety meds. I don't know how, th how those work, but <laughs> without them, there's always something like if, if I, if it's something I really care about, I'm going to get anxious about it. And it's about how do I react to that rather where, instead of trying to stop it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's less of you're never going to not feel anxious and it's more of accepting to be okay with being anxious. Yeah. Yeah. And having bad feelings like that. Yeah. You're totally right. Cool. All right. I think it might be a good time to end it if you feel comfortable. I feel comfortable. This is your, you, I, I thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> I'll bet you if you took, you could probably chop up everything I said and probably get something. You might be able to get something interesting out of it. No, just I'm doing out, it like, completely raw. Doing, we're just. What? <laughs> 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 um, well, no, I just vibe have an inappropriate mind. I. Um, oh, I I know what you were gonna say. No, I. <laughs> so stupid. Um, thank you for having me on. Yeah. I, I'm not usually the person on this side so i appreciate it i love what you're doing i love to have it's so nice to know someone who's doing something that is the same like what i'm doing because then it makes it feel a little bit less lonely yeah and then it's good to talk about all these things and to see that you know you are having similar feelings to i am so I, so I, I feel less crazy you know i feel exactly the same way and yeah i'm really grateful that you also wanted to be on because yeah yeah, I, I really love talking to people that I couldn't have otherwise. And mm -hmm. it's a really great experience to be able to do that and learn from people. And yeah, it's life changing. At the end of the day, we're very lucky people. Yeah. You know, not everybody, everybody could do this, but not everybody gets to, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think but there's so many different factors into everything that it gets complicated sometimes but yes sir yeah well thank you everyone for listening i upload every friday on spotify youtube and apple podcast if anyone has any feedback for me in the comments please let me know and that's about it thanks everyone for unless listening the unless the feedback is that this ho is that the guy the scotty guy sucks keep that to yourself True. yeah I'll i don't i don't need more of that <laughs> i'll fight back if anyone says that you'll fight for me okay sorry i didn't mean to ruin your ending no you're good and yeah thanks everyone i'll see you next friday bye bye everybody i love you <laughs>